Welcome to episode 91 of Friends of Filma Podcast, Guest Lace Movies, and Theatrical Releases. On this episode, we'll cover the first trailer for Annihilation, a Men in Black spinoff, Venom casting, and more after review American Made. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man stuck at 140 characters only, Josh Straley. I check that thing every darn day to see if they've given me 248 yet. Uh, 280, sorry. Yeah. Um, but no luck so far. No luck. It does, is that even appealing to you? Yeah, it is. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because I've been, I've done rewatches of The Office and yes. 30 Rock. And I've been pulling my favorite scenes mm-hmm. and putting them into tweet form. Yes. And I've had to cut some really good moments from <laughs> each show because there's just no way I could get the laugh in there. Yeah. Or like, you know, at least the substance of the joke, uh, and 140 characters, so. But usually, like 160, I would love that. Like, yeah, you know, SMS style. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about 240. Yeah, yeah, 280 is. Yes, uh, 280. Right, is a, a lot. And like the people I've seen that have it, it's just like, <laughs> oh, geez, these are like little novels I have to read now as I'm scrolling through Twitter, and yeah. I, uh, I don't enjoy it as much. But no. I'm, I mean, once it if it rolls out completely, I'm sure. I don't think I'm going to be consistently using 200 characters to mm-hmm. tweet. I'll still just be like. Most of my tweets are like one word, like right. cool. Yes. It's like, I'm not going to be like, wow, this is so cool because of X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm not going to go into all these ex- explanations at that point. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, I just don't have enough to say, even though, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's not going to change the way I tweet, I don't think. Right. And I think I could actually keep my American Made review in 140 characters. Uh, <laughs> and. Cause it's, that sounds right. It's it's a simple movie. Uh, we are going to get to it uh, now. If we dive into spoilers, uh, there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you guys can skip ahead. But hopefully you guys have seen it. And uh, if you haven't, then just skip ahead to the news and stay with us all the way till the end. But I thought this was nothing really groundbreaking from Doug Liman or, Mer- or um, Tom Cruise. But it's just it's fun. It's solid fun. It's a, You'll enjoy your time in the theater. It's like two hours long. It moves by quickly. Mm-hmm. Um they use this really clever way of kind of framing the movie in his like near the end of his experience in the drug smuggling game. Yeah, with um, the by cutting to videotapes of yeah. him talking. You're like, how does this play into it all? And th- that kind of sections off the movie and it lets everything keep flowing without being like, wait, why did they just jump three years? Why did this happen? Um, so I liked that aspect of it because it just it does just keep everything moving. You get to explore multiple different parts of um Barry Seal's life without it seeming too you know jumping and jumping from here and there yeah. and um choppy. like you're leaving stuff out yeah like it's choppy but I mean it's Doug Liman and Tom Cruise's I think second pairing after Edge of Tomorrow and they're they're just a good combo I think they bring good stuff out of each other Tom Cruise is fun in this movie he gets some uh, good one-liners I think the Barry Seal persona is a fun one for him to play and then Doug Liman, um, I think it's his directorial style that brought in those flashes of the DV, of the um, VHS tapes and kind of heightening the tension in certain moments that I thought really helped the film because Barry Seal does have a very insane life right. uh, in, in certain moments, in certain years. Um, and it's kind of cool to see him go from being this almost like illegal, like doing this illegally and now like doing it legally for the U S government and finding sideways to yeah, still it, do all of his drug empire stuff and everything. The anti-hero, the anti-hero pivot for <coughs> Tom Cruise in the movie is, uh, well, I, me. I mean, I'll talk about it in a moment, but 
I don't think it did it for me. Okay. Um, but also, I mean, the, the the rest of the cast isn't very large and isn't very memorable. No. Um, but I thought Donald Gleason uh, was really good as Schaefer. I liked the way that they kind of played with his name as Schaefer. Um, comes <laughs> in really uh, at some fun points in the end of the movie where they're kind of playing around with who is Schaefer and you yes. don't really get to figure it out, uh, which oh, I thought yeah. was a, f- a fun way to do it. But yeah. I feel like it just keeps saying fun because I thought this movie was fun. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, so I'm going to give it three and a half ticket stubs out of five. No, okay, yeah. Well, here we go. Um, this is the first Tom Cruise movie that we have seen, or I've done a review on, that I have enjoyed my time in the theater with. Okay. The Mummy and Jack Reacher were horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I made it made it known uh on those reviews but i had there is i watched this movie and i had no problems with it like with any of it uh going through mm-hmm. um but when i think back on it i, I wouldn't i'd never want to watch it again and it's going to be completely forgettable yeah uh and that's not like a dig or anything but it's just like you said it wasn't groundbreaking it wasn't it's something my, we've seen a thousand times before absolutely in different movie forms yeah it, but also but my, the biggest thing is this movie it belongs back in 2004 with steven soddenberg's uh oceans movies mm-hmm. with the rest of the you know the huge the 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 bad guys are actually the good guys type of like mm-hmm. you know films where those just swept across um because that's who Tom Cruise's character is but i think we've moved past that with movies today and so you know he's like you're rooting for him the whole time you're rooting for him even more when you realize that the people that he's working with uh whether CIA or you know when he gets ridden super deep with Escobar mm-hmm. or uh whatever the other Manuel, the other three guys, yes, or the other two, right? Uh, those huge drug lords from South America, and then you're like, you know, you start to feel for him, and then ultimately, at the end of the movie, you're like, oh no, I can't believe that happened, right? And you get kind of like angry, but then it's over with. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I think we want, I want my heroes to be a little more. A little more rough around the edges. Barry Seal is super glitzy and glamorous, yeah. and that's—I mean—you got Tom Cruise because but is he, he even a hero? Exactly, and but he comes across as one throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no dark side to him because he's doing it for the good guys up until you know the very end. Um, but I will say this though: uh, I've seen two Pablo uh, Pablo Escobar's on screen, and uh, Mauricio Mejia's is absolutely the best by far. Uh, and Sarah Wright was great. I think she deserves more attention in uh, movies going forward, like in a, in a lead role. Uh, her and Barry's whole family just was kind of like props to mm-hmm. like see like, look, normal American guy, Barry's happy. And you yeah, know, uh, just totally didn't do it for me. Um, Doug Lyman's directing though, I did think kept kept the movie fun. Um, as much as possible. There were moments where things just felt super jarring. I don't know if it was because it was like super handheld and mm-hmm. shaky, but um, Doug Lyman is an in-the-trenches type of director. Uh, live, Die, Repeat, yeah. Edge, Edge of, of Tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, what was the other name of the movie? I can't remember the other one. Yeah, there was like three titles for uh, whatever. Uh, something to Kill. Right. Live to Kill. Um, that was like the... That, that was, was like, like the, the book title. Or, oh, yeah. yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, 
but that movie is very much, you know, all over the place too, you know, like just with action and things like that. And it's like, he kind of ported that to mm-hmm. it. It works in a lot of places, but other places, you know, the action is just totally forgettable. Yeah. Um, but what I really loved was the build up around the film. Um, especially with Donald Gleason's character, because he's the most intriguing part of the movie for me. Not so much the knowns of Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and the drug Lords and all of that. And just how, he keeps reeling him in deeper and deeper and deeper until you get to a point where you're, you, the movie ends and you're like, oh, it's kind of like a, a, a more serious version of Burn After Reading. Right, yeah. But only Burn After Reading seems like it's more plausible or, or whatever the case is. Sure. Um, so so they, they both tell the same story. Uh, but I'm, I'm right there with you, though, at the end of the day. Uh, three ticket stubs. Okay. Cool. So uh, I don't really have many spoiler thoughts of anybody, but I know you want to get into some of the plot in a yeah. spoilery fashion. So we're going to get into spoiler territory here. So if you haven't seen American Made, skip ahead to the news so you can hear us talk about a bunch of different stuff that dropped this week, plus our big question. But hopefully you have seen American Made and you can stick with us from here on out. But Josh, what did you want to get to specifically? Oh, Just specifically, I want to say, though, I did like um, that they kind of – I mean, are you familiar with the Fast and Furious – gun running thing mm-hmm. that like the cia or the fbi you know tried to do in real life here uh um, familiar like with selling weapons and trying to track them i loved that aspect of it yeah 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 like at least uh government sanctioned involvement and like mm-hmm. you know um illegal activities for the purpose of tracking and surveillance and right. things like that and how those can go out of hand and mm-hmm. whatnot but the end of the film was cool to watch happen but felt unearned okay watching barry you know try to make a a deal with uh the white house Uh so to speak and then you know having the knife put into his back and then uh you know ultimately the semi-tragic end with his assassination Mm -hmm. and then the it looked like they were saying that that helped set up the iran uh, the iran contra affair which it seemed like, I mean, I don't I haven't studied it, but it seemed like uh, a stretch to me. Yeah. But still, um, like, if the movie had been less Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and more, like I was saying earlier, a little bit more gritty, uh-huh. this could have been like a, a very Oscar caliber, oh my goodness, I can't believe it's trying to say sure. what it's saying yeah. type movie. Yeah. And when I recognized that, I was like, ah, oh, kind of a letdown. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know if that movie would have worked as well. I mean, it definitely would not have involved. I don't think this creative team it wouldn't have been no. a, a lineman and cruise affair. But I mean, for for their take on it, not you know imagining what this kind of movie could have been like sure. under Oscar circumstances. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's just a fun film that anybody can really go see and enjoy it. Yeah, if you're a big fan of Tom Cruise, I think he's solid. You get to see his butt a couple of times if that's your thing. So uh, <laughs> you never know. Um, I didn't see that part coming. Yeah, definitely not. Especially the the, the fact that they continued to play on that joke. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. laughed the first time. Right. The, the fourth time, I was like, I get it. Go, <laughs> you don't need to do it anymore. I say go, yeah, go for Cruz, go for Lyman, go for the story. But just if you're go and love Domo Gleason at his one of the most zaniest characters yeah. I've seen him play for like just ever. Have a little fun, you know, like Ex Machina. He's, he's very serious. Mm-hmm. Star Wars. He's serious and it's very small. Yeah. Um, 
and Revenant. He's Revenant. You know, he's he's, he's good, he's, but he plays he's, at, he plays at the same speed. Uh, yeah. he caught him in Mother. He's a little more loony, but he's still like a a, a normal person. Yeah. But here he's just kind of like you know, he's uh, Amy, He's dancing. He uh, Wolf of Wall Streety. Yeah, kind of. That, yes. That's yeah. the best way to say it. So yeah. I love seeing that side of him. Yeah. So hopefully we get to see more of that from Gleason uh, moving forward. And um, yeah, I mean, I just loved that. They kept calling him Schaefer, mm-hmm. and then they're like at the end of the movie. Once his relationship with with uh, uh, Seal had pretty much been like you know cut off, right? He's kept saying like, "Who's Schaefer?" You're like, "Oh, okay." Like I didn't even like think about that beforehand, but yeah. I really liked that that little twist in there. Mm-hmm. That he's calling out for somebody who doesn't exist. Yeah, perfect. So. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on American Made? No other thoughts. Okay, so that's that's a very quick review for us. That's uh, that's all we have for American Made. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. The devil you know, the devil you know, the devil you don't. It's better to know the devil you know, the devil you don't. Because wherever you go, wherever you go, with the devil you know, you're never alone. And we're back with the news after that quick review of American Made. Yeah, we uh, really cruised right through that. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, and we are going to get into our first topic, which, as always, when we can, we talk about trailers at the top of the news section. And this week, we had our second trailer for Pitch Perfect 3. And I was not a big fan of the first trailer. Mm-hmm. But this one, I thought was a little better. Uh, okay, I'm, kind of, I'm starting to come around on it. It looked it, they didn't play up the action angle as much. They kind of started to tell the story a little bit of, mm-hmm. oh, well, Haley Steinfeld didn't actually want you guys to come sing here. Right. Just invite you to the show. Um, and that kind of springboards off of, oh, we all miss each other. Let's do the USO tour. Um, got a little look at the new riff off, which I don't know if that's going to, I love the riff offs in the first two movies because yes. they, they're super catchy. They're super fun. <laughs> right. Uh, having the full band mm-hmm. come into it. I don't know if that's going to work as well of yeah. going off of just their voices, <laughs> but the only thing I am worried about in terms of the plot of this movie, okay, um, outside of getting maybe a little too zany in certain places, is it looks like they're starting to, they're repeating the Becca story of, oh, I need to break away from the Bellas, or I have these opportunities to break away mm-hmm. and do my own thing, but should I do these because I love the Bellas, but I also yes. need to pursue my own career. And I thought we already played with that in Pitch Perfect 2 a lot. I thought we maybe were done in with that. In the first one, too. Yeah, in the first one, I thought we were maybe done with that story. So it looks like they're just kind of retreading the same character story and character arcs. So I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Um, but it also it, it kind of looks like that, so it wouldn't surprise me. But at the end of the day, it was better than the first trailer. Good. So I'm more interested now than I yes. was a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, first of all, yes. Like, the the new riff-off, I think, actually looks great. Okay. Uh, and I loved Anna Kendrick's line at the end of that, where she's just like, why is everyone better at the thing that we always <laughs> right. challenge them to? <laughs> that was a good line. Like, because they always lose out on mm-hmm. the riff-off, even though, like, they're the ones that... Um, have they're clearly the best. Yeah, you know, right, exactly. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, but, yeah, like, they turn it into, like, a whole... Um, like their riff off goes into a total pop song, mm-hmm. like with the band members. So I thought that was actually pretty cool myself. Okay, I never had a problem with the action. It's the third movie in a trilogy, yeah. And third, the third movies always have to take it to the top and I then guess. wrap it all up, you know. And so maybe that's why we see those character plots being retread or mm-hmm. well, but which I will argue is a good thing okay. because guess what? 
we can finally get some kind of closure on how it's all going to shake out. Right. Other than, uh, oh, you want to be on your own? Well, okay, I'll be your friend. Hug. And then they, you know, they wrap up the plot. But now we get, like, a definitive answer. Yes. And then, like, just everybody in this movie is so funny. Um. From uh, Anna Cap, Brittany Snow, Rebel Wilson in her Anna Kendrick scene, oh, yeah. you know, at the end of the, the trailer. The crying scene was good. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm totally stoked for it. Uh, I, I mean, I have, an, I have a huge attachment to the writers of the film mm-hmm. um, and all their work. Um, so I I just, it, it's, a, it's been a fun movie. I'm going to get, I will have the soundtrack playing for, yeah. you know, at least two or three months mm-hmm. afterwards. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to go see it. Yeah, um, another movie we got our first look at this week actually was Maze Runner The Death Cure, mm. the third installment in the Maze Runner franchise that was supposed to already be out, I believe, but was delayed at the beginning of this year due to Dylan O'Brien's um, you know, really life-threatening injuries that he suffered on the set performing stunts there. Yeah. And we got our first teaser, which is compiled of previous footage from the previous first two movies, but also some looks at this, uh, this third and final installment of the trilogy. And... As somebody who is a fan of the first two films, I th- am looking forward to seeing how this all ends. I don't think the teaser is really that great in terms of getting you back on board, but it looks it's a solid and underrated uh, franchise so far. And I think Dylan O'Brien looks great in the lead again. It's good to see him just there and healthy. And they even showed, I believe, a large portion of the stunt that he was actually injured on was the train sequence. And that was the major Mm -hmm. action set piece that was uh, shown throughout that trailer. So showing them try to find a cure for uh, whatever the diseases that is happening in that universe. I can't think of the name, the scorch, I think Uh, I don't remember, but yeah, having, having them find that out and uh, you know, kind of delve deeper into the character Thomas, I think doing all that, add in some more action should be a solid final. Wait, is this movie about mazes or diseases, like dystopian stuff? Uh, it's, All three? Yeah. I mean, it's not... The first one's about mazes. I know you haven't... You told me before we recorded yeah, you haven't I've seen, seen them. none of these ever. So the first one's about mazes. Second one, um, obviously, they break out of the maze. Yes. On the, in the first one, but then they realize that this is part of a whole... A, a much larger world, um, that there is like this disease that has spread across the globe that has uh, killed people Got it. and they're trying to find a cure for it and it's all kind of wrapped in um, people who are immune to it and who are have better genes and stuff so that's why the mazes are going on to figure out who are the, the superior people kind mm. of um, and I think Thomas who is uh, Dylan O'Brien's character is Got supposed it. to be like super involved with it all um, I can't remember all the details of it but I mean, it should be cool. Okay, though, that sounds super intriguing. You'll have to but, watch them. Absolutely. Uh, I did, but there's Thomas Brody, uh, Sangster in there. Um, game, one of my favorites from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Gone Too Soon. But he looks like he's having a heck of a time in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, being sidekick to Dylan O'Brien mm-hmm. in that truck like as yeah. they're like blasting up the train and everything like that. And then there's Patricia Clarkson, who is her and Michael Caine can do both roles so well where they play like this benevolent wise character mm-hmm. but then like uh, almost seemingly on a turn if they can do that same exact thing only it's, it just comes across like evil and like her conversation with uh o'brien in the trailer you know it was just kind of mm-hmm. like 
oh snap she definitely like you know she's always up to something yeah. and she just does that role so well so i'll be excited to see her from that so maybe i need to get myself caught yeah up yeah here. definitely you definitely do because i think like i said these are fun movies they're underrated um i think when you're talking about young adult novel adaptation franchises mm-hmm. clearly the hunger games is number one it's king yep um I mean, I guess it depends on if you include like Harry Potter in this conversation or not. I haven't seen Harry Potter. That is, um, but I think that for a lot of people would be one. The Hunger Games, right? That I think you'd put Maze Runner three, and then like way down below uh, would be the Divergent franchise. Okay, but, yeah. Maybe a good way to separate it out is Harry Potter is like you know definitely twentieth century, early twenty mm-hmm. first. Then we've got our dystopian, yes, dystopian novels. young adult stuff. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So yeah, I think Maze Runner is definitely the firmly in second place there in terms of that sort of franchise. Fantastic. Um, so seeing how it all ends out will be cool. But uh, the big trailer of the week was uh, for Annihilation, the latest uh, movie from Ex Machina director Alex Garland. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm on board. This movie is supposed to be out this year. Uh, I was hyped for it to come out this year. It got delayed until I think it's March now, uh, 2018. And I mean... Ex Machina is one of my favorite movies of 2015. I think is when that movie wow. came out, or 2014. Yeah, it's been a bit. Um, I mean, I'm just so excited to see what what Garland can do next. And he has a stacked cast of Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, Gene Rodriguez, Oscar Isaac. I think Jennifer Jason Lee's in there as well. Um, and it just looks like this wonderful, imaginative world he has. I don't know what the plot is about at all based on this trailer. But something's obviously going, um, something's obviously up in this world. And yeah. based on Ex Machina, Garland knows how to deliver twists and that flip an entire story on its head. So I think that's what's going to be in store for Annihilation, and I'm I'm hyped for it. Slow burning drama and pecul- peculiarities. Yes. That's what he did so well in Ex Machina. But yeah, no, this is... This has got tinges of like Interstellar, but as well as Ex Machina in there, there's something magical and wondrous happening out in that forest, that jungle. It looks like we're on Earth. Uh-huh. It seems to be all indications that whatever's going on out there is just, you know, out of this world. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it looks stunning. You already mentioned the cast. Phenomenal. That would get my butt in the seat right away. Mm-hmm. He's, he's teamed up again with the ex machina cinematographer, Roy Hardy. Okay. So, or Rob, sorry. So definitely de- going to get at least a lot of great visuals. Yes. I would say, well, you can already tell that from the trailer mm-hmm. for sure. And that's like, and then since this got pushed back to March, they're only going to get better, mm-hmm. cause, especially because it looks like some of that is CG. Oh yeah. So they're only going to fine tune all of it. But then, yeah, we're getting not even a it, it feel it's definitely going to be a, another slow burn, but also it's going to get ratcheted up to ten, like you said mm-hmm. uh, when you know when the lockdown happens in Ex Machina, yep. we see some of the characters that were you know we were just like praising for being in here getting picked off left and right, right. Uh, in that jungle. So whatever this mystery th- turns out to be, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to finding out about it. Yeah, it looks like a, a, a sci-fi, a more sci-fi Jurassic Park, if you will. Uh huh. Kind of. So, uh, it looks super cool. And then Natalie Portman, um, fantastic. And Jackie, this will be like the first movie mm-hmm. I see. Well, we'll be seeing with her since then. So, believe so. Yeah, I'm stoked for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I actually, I caught Jackie a couple weeks ago. Um, she was great. 
best movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, moving on away from the trailers into a new movie that was announced this week, a Men in Black spinoff is moving forward at Sony. They announced a May 17th, 2019 release date, putting it head to head with John Wick 3. Um, so I think that's a uh, that'll be a tough weekend at the mm. box office. Should both stick. Um, the script is coming from Iron Man, fi- Iron Man and Transformers 5 writers Matt Holloway and Art Markham. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are not expected to reprise their roles. Um, and then Deadline had a quote uh, category- as kind of explaining what this movie is going to be about, saying, uh, quote, it will uh, focus on new characters chasing villains that put the picture on a on more of a global scale than the two previous films. Mm. So we're getting a Men in Black spinoff. It's expanding to a bigger global disaster sort of threat. Uh, are you in for this? Men in Black Avengers. <laughs> kind uh, of. No, not really. I mean, like, listen, okay, yeah. the Men in, Men in Black was good and still is good today mm-hmm. is because it was Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. It was the, the lethal weapon uh, of alien right. you know, films. And it was zany and it was set in New York with the character of that city. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I get I get it. We've gentrified the heck out of that city. So we need to go somewhere else where we can have, you know, um, a more, uh, you know, a more fun feel to it. So, sure, but w- what are you going to... I mean, this movie can only be as good as who it casts in it. Yes. And not because... Who the director is. And, right. Yeah, I think there's a lot more info that we need before we really judge this movie. I think on the premise, I don't need a Men in Black spinoff. No. Um, I think... Well, I need the Men in Black spinoff with Channing Tatum and Jonah yeah, Hill. Yeah, I'm still... Even though I think we're like the only two people excited or interested in a Men in Black Jump Street combination. Yeah. But I think that sounds like a perfect pairing. Um, and maybe this is the start of that. Maybe they do the Men in Black spinoff. They introduce two new younger agents and then we get the Men in Black spinoff. Uh jump street crossover there Mm -hmm. that could be a fun way to do it um instead of just like trying to do like a younger version of it and like recast the roles of uh will smith Tommy lee jones i don't think that would work but i think the concerning parts for me so far is just that we're gonna put it on a global scale i'm like oh man like you don't need that yeah just having any like the men in blacks aren't you know end of the world uh we got to save the got to save the universe type of movies they have sort of those elements mm-hmm. but that's not what they are at their hearts and i don't want to see that really them really go to that level yeah i mean once i mean i've been sort of i like men in black three but that one's definitely the the wackiest of the three movies that that's someone josh brolin isn't uh-huh. it he, yeah. play, he plays the younger um that character of tommy lee jones right and there's like the uh the uh, villain from like on a uh, prison on the moon and mm-hmm. it's just so weird and yeah but it's still kind of that's still, still kind it, of what it's about yeah you it, know like it, it's just that aliens aren't looking to really blow us up per se right. they're just they just want to live around here you yeah know? <laughs> like you know they want to colonize us or you know right. come hang out with us like, yeah if you will. so and, i mean i'd rather see that than oh some new alien races coming to earth to destroy right. us it's up to yeah. agent c and agent b to yeah take them down heaven forbid like, uh, yeah i do not need a uh independence day resurgence rehash mm-hmm. only under a men in black title right no way no thank you yeah i also hope since this is a spinoff that they'll get that they won't just find the new 
Will Smith and mm-hmm. another version of Tommy Lee Jones and get like the older white guy and then the the young hotshot black guy. Give us, you know, <laughs> yes, do something different. Please don't be uh, too derivative. You know, the guy- even get, bring us like a female agent. You know, do something like that. Like I think they teased that at the end of one of the movies. I can't remember which one, but there was a female agent that joined the squad, and I think they could do that mm. and pair him up with somebody else. I mean, just throwing this out there. Camille and Johnny as one oh of them. Goodness, I think that'd be oh, killer. Be yeah. uh, pair him up with some young up and coming female. I think I think that'd be a great way to do it. You just took it out. Yeah, like I was just thinking, like this. What this would need is a, a Paul Feig type director to take over it. I I wouldn't be a, Paul Feig, Camille, and who would the female be? Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Anna Kendrick and Paul are working together right Possibly. now. Possibly. Or um, Kate McKinnon off of SNL. Uh, uh, last they 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 the new season started, so I'm thinking out Cecily Strong would be terrific too. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's options out there absolutely. for Sony um, to make this uh, work. So hopefully they can figure out those elements and bring it all together and work it out nicely. Mm-hmm. But um, moving on to Uncharted, oh, yeah. there's a report this week from that hashtag show that Brian Cranston is currently being eyed by Sony to. Um, land a role they can't specify what role it is it could be the villain it could be um drake's like mentor soli i think is his name Sol- right? yeah Soli. Um, yeah i think that's probably the route they would go and i think if you pair brian right. cranston and tom holland yeah that's a great pairing oh tom holland is yeah he's the, he's the right. young nathan drake we reported yeah that. i remember that we didn't report that but we right. talked about <laughs> it i, I yes. wish we broke that story <laughs> um oh absolutely uh i revisited lost city um uh, Lost City of Z this mm-hmm. week because it dropped on the Prime, and I wanted to say I did unhear your complaints about the film, but I noticed okay. them a little bit more. I don't okay, know if we talked about it, but you uh-huh. didn't like the breakup, yeah. of the story. I don't like it either. Okay, but I still think it's a great movie. Okay, that's that's um, fair. But yeah, Tom Holland back in an adventure movie, and then putting, especially since it's centered around Drake as a kid, there's no one more mentory. Out mm-hmm. there in the world, then I think Brian Cranston, uh, uh, at least right now, at least at the top of my head, there are probably dozens, but right. he he fits that role so well. Uh, thinking of his Malcolm in the Middle dad uh, versus Walter White, mm-hmm. you know that sticks out so much. Yeah, and the guy is like always oh, so charismatic and funny, and like you know, when times he does the interview circuit mm-hmm. or whatever else he's up to. So him playing like a seasoned grizzly sailor. Uh, adventurer Indiana Jones type of a guy, but passing down that knowledge to Tom Holland be perfect. Uh, totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we'd both be down on that. We'll have to see whether or not this isn't, he's not like in talks. He doesn't have a deal in place or they're not, they don't currently have one pending for him or anything. So this is definitely early and, uh, you know, hopefully it works out if this is actually a legitimate thing that Sony's interested in him. So, uh, but moving on to another Sony project, a lot of Sony news this week. Oh, yeah. It's actually all of our news is Sony uh, related. This one huh. is for their Spider-less spinoff universe uh, that Venom, according to Variety, is looking to ta- uh, cast Michelle Williams in the leading female role. Uh, hmm. They described her role as a district attorney and possible love interest to Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock. Uh, I mean, she is currently, she's about to star in all the money in the world for Sony at the end of the year, just coming off of Manchester by the sea um, and, you know, success after success after success. So 
I think if they can get Michelle Williams to pair with Riz Ahmed, who was also confirmed uh, this week, no no word on who his character is going to be, but the Variety article said that he is definitely on board. Yes. You can get Riz, Williams, and Hardy. That's a, that's a really solid trio for a you know a movie that I'm not I'm still not sure if I'm not interested in, but the, the cast is. Wait, you're still not sure if you're interested in I'm it? I'm still not sure if I need or if I want a Venom movie okay. that's outside of the MCU, Spider, you know, Holland universe, everything. Okay, okay. yeah, I got you. Oh, you forgot uh, the Greatest Showman. Yeah, Michelle yeah, yeah. Williams, uh, is I think that's I think that's her next project. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that and the depending on which city you live in, I suppose. Right. Um. Yeah. Like. Okay. First of all, the, the, uh, Michelle Williams. Yeah, like you said, if going to have a breakout year, and I think that all that money in the world role could definitely be. I don't know. If, would she be a lead or a supporting actress in that? But She'd probably be the lead. I would think so. Right? Yeah, that, I think I think that's big. I guess it'd be how they, however Sony classified her. Yeah. So. Uh, phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I mean, stack your stack your movie mm-hmm. with great actors. Have a script driven by whoever Tom Hardy, or well, we know who he is, Eddie Brock. Right. But, you know, have the script driven by who Eddie Brock is at his core. Let the Venom stuff be what you play out in the trailers. And you know you've got a you've got a Marvel movie there, mm-hmm. you know at least fit for right. the MCU, even though it's in like I love you what you said the spider the spider less spinoff universe. Yeah. Yes, uh, great consonants there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I I, I was ready for this because I think Eddie Brock is one of the coolest mm-hmm. antiheroes in the MCU, or at least in Marvel comics yeah. altogether. His rivalry with Spider-Man makes him my favorite even more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, the the fact that they doesn't look like doesn't appear that they're uh, going light or going easy on this or just trying to have a fast and you know fun right Venom movie uh, that that is awesome to see. I mean, if anything, either Sony is throwing a lot of money at these people to sign up or. They have a really, really great script and concept in place for this film, which I hope it's that one. I hope it's the latter, not just, all right, we'll give each of you $30 million to do this movie. What do you say? Right. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's current speculation that she would be playing uh, Anne Wang, who in mm. the comics uh, goes on to become She-Venom. Um, and uh, because in the comics, Anne is a lawyer who is also the ex-wife of Eddie Brock. So if she is described as a district, a district attorney and yep. a possible love interest. They also, um, Michelle Williams looks almost identical to Anne in the comics. So I think you can just, it looks like a perfect fit there. And if they do want to eventually develop this into larger, larger things, uh, or maybe they just need an extra person to fight carnage in the third act, you could yeah. have Michelle Williams suit up as the symbiote. I am. Yeah. I am so worried. I just not worried about Riz Ahmed's role. I just hope he, they don't do the, the Cletus. I think that's that's got to be what it is. Oh man, uh, he deserves more than that. But I'm I'm stoked he's in it. Right. I'm glad he's got work. Of course. I mean, I'd put him in so many other things. But yes. Yes. Um, but that's actually all we have for the news. Um, but this is not the end of the episode. Yeah, it would definitely be our shortest episode by far. But uh, we have a a pretty good big question this week. Not that. The ones we've done before are not good or we're not good, but we're super excited about th- this. This one. is just one that I think we can have a longer, prolonged discussion on, and we chose it because we anticipated going a little shorter on the review and mm-hmm. news. 
Um, but because of, you know, last week we talked about, um, you know, Matthew Vaughn wanting to do Kingsman three and fantastic four and these other big budget movies. And we saw JJ Abrams join, uh, back up with star Wars two weeks ago. We've seen other big, you know, high level names being attached to these big studio movies and franchises. And we just wanted to pose the question of, should we always want the big name directors for every project? Um, and we, this really just came out of, you know, me just internally thinking about what I want movies to be and where I want them to go. And, you know, I want to see, you know, Denny Villeneuve, who we're going to talk about next week a lot with Blade Runner 2049. Oh, you know, I want to see him do whatever he wants with his original mind because he's proven time and time again that he can do some incredible things. And I don't think that those, that I don't think that the quality is going to diminish with him doing studio movies, with him doing Blade Runner, with him doing Dune after that, and now he's um, attached to do a Cleopatra movie. Yes. Which I would not be interested in a Cleopatra movie, but the fact that it would be Denny directing it, I'm on board. Right. Yeah. But would I rather him also do something completely different instead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the absolutely. It's the Ridley Scott Exodus Gods and Kings mm-hmm. conundrum there. Right. Uh, so, I mean, really, it just comes down to, I mean, for the, to answer this question simply, should we always want, I would say no, because I want to see these creative guys let their juices flow and do whatever original concepts they have floating around in the back of their mind. And I understand to get those original movies made, you have to do big budget movies, you have to yep. do studio movies, but I don't want to see directors stick around in the big budget franchise stuff for so long where that's you look back and that's all they did for 20 years right uh it's sort of like um people ratchet i think people took a stab like the most recent example i can think of is steven spielberg's bfg Uh and i don't they didn't do well at the box office at all Mm -mm. um and i was actually caught off guard when we started talking about it last year at least one of the trailers for it Mm -hmm. and saw that it was a spielberg movie because i didn't see that coming out of i mean I didn't see that happening. Yeah, uh, Spielberg to me is like you know he's either he's in the sci-fi or he's in the grassroots, uh, up bottom up historical take films. Yeah. You know, uh, Schindler's List, Lincoln, mm-hmm. um, Pentagon Papers, or uh, the, the Post, the one that's coming out. Yes, yeah. the, the coming out this year. That to me, that's him. Or of course, I mean, but then but then I thought you know the dude has such a wide range across so many films mm-hmm. that you can't pin him. Right. In one category. Jaws is not like Jurassic Park. Well, mm-hmm. it actually it is, but <laughs> there are two different styles of filmmaking there. Yes. E.T., uh, totally out there. And then Schindler's List and Lincoln are in a league all of their own. And I have, I have to agree with you like right off the bat that if Spielberg was simply doing Jurassic Park and in, in the Lost World of Jurassic Park uh, caliber movies with massive budgets and, you know, like you, we were talking about earlier, maybe the movies where they just threw cash at act, mm-hmm. big-name actors to get butts in the seats. Uh, we will probably wouldn't be... I mean, maybe we would, because, but also it would be hard to say that Spielberg is going to end up being one of the greatest of all time because he found a niche and mm-hmm. stuck with it. Yeah. Um, if no one simply did superhero movies, right? You know, once he found, once he struck gold there, mm-hmm. would we be saying he's one of the most innovative if he never took time out right. for Inception, for exactly. um, the uh, Prestige, yeah, Prestige, or you know, uh, yeah, Interstellar, exactly uh, anything, yeah. 
uh, Dunkirk, yeah, even, like which for sure. still, uh, which broke ground as one of the most impressive IMAX and theatrical experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. So, when you have geniuses, do you really want to see your geniuses? do the work that Michael Bay can do for you. <laughs> right. You know? I, mean, I, I think that's, I mean, I don't think that comparison is necessarily fair that Michael Bay should just be the, the one call for every action movie out there. But I, since you mentioned Nolan, like uh, early this year, I mean, early this summer, even mm-hmm. all the bond stuff was, is, I mean, it's still going on, oh, but yeah. the two names everybody wanted was Denny and, and Chris Nolan. <laughs> the two names I wanted too. And, like both of them would probably do incredible bonds that I would love. Yeah. But would I rather Denny go do Dune compared to Bond? Yeah, I'd rather see him do a big epic sci-fi fantasy than doing a spy movie that, you know, Jan Demange or um um who's the other guy up for it? McKenzie, uh David McKenzie, yes. that either of them could do and I think nail perfectly. Would I rather do I want to see Nolan do a Bond movie? Sure, heck yeah. But would I also rather him do whatever original concept him and his brother are thinking up right now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely yes. <laughs> right. I'd rather see that ten times than have him do a Bond movie. You know, or even like when Phil Lord and Chris Miller left Han Solo. You know, I think that's an example of Star Wars and Lucasfilm. They wanted the big flashy names for these anthology movies and this new universe to start. So far, it hasn't worked out very well for them. But, you know, when they left, people were like, oh, who should replace them? And a lot of people were like, Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright. Yeah. But do I really want to see Edgar Wright's Han Solo? I think he'd probably fit it with, well with what Phil Lord and Chris Miller are doing. Right. If they had to leave and they needed to stick to that tone, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you call Edgar Wright. But do I want to see Edgar Wright not do a version or do a version of Han Solo that I don't think he'd be able to do because I don't think. I think his style would be too similar to what Phil Lord and Chris Miller want to do in terms of tone, in yeah. terms of the comedy, um, in terms of the the fun, um, you know, unique ways that he did it. I mean, we just saw Baby Driver, mm-hmm. one of the best movies of the year. Absolutely. Uh, do really well at the box office, got great reviews, and yep. that was an original concept that Edgar Wright came up with, Yep, I believe. I don't think it's based off anything. but No, that's all him. Um, I mean, we saw that, and I think... I think you can see that. And even though I didn't love Dunkirk, you can look at, you know, Dunkirk and be like, wow, Christopher Nolan, that's what you can do, you know, when you're not doing and not to say put anything away from, you know, the, the dark Knight rises or mm-hmm. the, or Batman begins or interstellar or anything. But like right. when he can do his thing without having to worry about, you know, big budget franchises and, you know, big CG and VFX and making sure, Oh, I need this movie to make, $200 million opening weekend. So we have to include X, Y, and Z and make it in this sort of style. Yeah. Uh, you can see what he can do there. And I, I like that creative freedom that they can have. Yeah. And he, and it's kind of, um, I mean, I would, this, this is the most recent example that I can think of too, off the top of my head here. <laughs> I watched warrior this week with yeah. Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy directed by Gavin O'Connor. And you'd been big on this movie. Uh, I think since we started the podcast, yes. or since since the accountant rolled around for a while, yeah, um, I think I, yeah, I probably first first mentioned it, you know, with accountant probably. Yeah. Yes, because there are rumors there are rumors of him doing a second one mm-hmm. or, or whatever the case is. But in the lead up to the accountant and in the fallout of it, we got word that he was looking at doing a revitalization of the Green Hornet, mm-hmm. a character that he said that he'd personally loved, yeah, a lot as a kid or as a teenager or whenever he got into the 
comics, graphic novels, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know everything else for yeah. it. Absolutely love the idea because it's detective noir. Um, it's it's got the, uh, you know shades of a nineteen forties sort of detective vibe to it, and we haven't seen a really good movie with that mm-hmm. in a long time. Uh, ben Affleck's Live by Night came close, but that right. was more uh, bootlegging than anything mm-hmm. else. And then we got word that he was working on Accountant 2, movie mm-hmm. that I liked, didn't love, probably don't need a sequel, but would like to see one. Sure. I mean, I'd, I'd see it. Yeah. But then he goes and does Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And you were okay with it. Yeah. But at the same I'm over here thinking, ah, well, now that I've seen Warrior, I'm desperate for a second Warrior. Oh, yeah. Or... I would love to see him go to work on a Green Hornet mm-hmm. because it's not something we've seen on screen um, since Seth Rogen and yeah. I can't uh, remember the guy. Yeah, there that adaption, the, uh-huh. the comedic adaption yes. of it, set in the 21st century though. But uh, you know, like we're like we're missing out on an awesome period piece. Mm-hmm. So maybe and I there's the there's the word like you know how the game is played in Hollywood. Right, yeah. So perhaps him a successful Suicide Squad two earns him the right mm-hmm. to do the Green Hornet with right. his level of budget and you know uh, works and all mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, but yeah, like you know, but but if he goes down the rabbit hole and it's right. like ten to fifteen years before we see a work that's unique and mm-hmm. I think know. I think the the one caveat I'd throw there would be that this would be I think his you know whether it was Green Hornet. I think that would would have been a big budget movie to mm-hmm. some aspect, and if he does Suicide Squad two, um, as he is currently lined up to do, that again will be his first big budget movie. So I think I don't want to say I don't want this conversation to be about like oh I don't want these really talented directors to do big name projects, but I don't want them to stick on them and just sure. just do those. You know I want to see. You know, like Matthew Vaughn, like I mentioned, uh, you know, when I introed this whole uh, this yes. big question. Matthew Vaughn is a talented, talented dude. And I don't want to see his career, you know, when we look back on it, be like, all right, so he did first class, or he did he did Kick-Ass, first class. Uh, then he went and did Kingsman, Kingsman mm-hmm. 2, Kingsman 3, Fantastic Four, Man of Steel 2. And yeah. you look back and for 15 years, no, he all he did was big budget superhero movies. Like, where's where's his original piece, you know? he has to have something out there. I mean, and I don't want to, and like, I'm sure he's really passionate about all this stuff as well. And like, he loves all the comic book stuff, but I want to see him break free of these. I want to see, and I'm like, I don't want to say that he can't do these because sure. if he has a passion for them, do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see him just continue to do them to get the big paydays. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And just be that guy that like, man, you know, and like we don't know where this could all go, but maybe Kingsman three is is a step down from Kingsman two, and then maybe his Fantastic Four movie wouldn't work, and maybe Man of Steel two wouldn't work. Yeah. And then you look at it, and he can't get a he can't get a gig anymore in Hollywood, and you're just like, right, man, he like he really kind of missed his chance there to really set some groundwork and set his real footprint outside yeah. of the superhero genre. Cash in on the fame that he's earned versus mm-hmm. you know riding a wave into mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, and even. I think just like somebody like Patty Jenkins is okay. somebody 
everybody's excited for and rightfully so i mean yeah she gave one of the best movies of the year so far mm-hmm. with wonder woman uh it's one of the best box office hits it's one of the best critically acclaimed movies of the year and now she's back up for the sequel great because i think that sequel needs her i think dc needs her yes uh and i think Absolutely. i think that movie needs her and i think <laughs> she is a perfect fit for that movie but then after that, what does she do? You know, she did Monster, a great movie that got Charlize Throne an Oscar nomination. You know, Oscar or win. Oscar win. Yes. yes, I always, I always think she only got nominated, but then I always remember, oh wait, she did actually win. But you know, I don't want to see her go from Wonder Woman two to then being like, all right, well now she's doing Justice League two. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, cool. I, I'm excited to see her do the team up movie. But I want to see her do something your, else. Yeah. So this is this seems like a because uh, this is your, this big question this week is sort of uh, is your brainchild here. Yeah. Like you said, this is sort of like a a uh, a scream for all of the talent you love to do indie films. Seems like it, just uh, to do just to not just do the big names and, I th- yeah. and like the the big franchise. And I think that's just you know. And I loved that. I love that James Gunn is doing the third Guardians movie. Yes. But after that, I don't want to see him directing their Marvel movie. Okay. You know, I want to see him step away. And even though I don't really love either of his other directorial efforts, mm-hmm. they're both fun. They're unique. Oh yeah. And I want to see him do that stuff again. And like Taika Waititi, like I think that I think it's, oh, it's maybe yeah. a fear that you know you look at Taika and I think Thor three is gonna be really great i think it's gonna destroy the box office and taika is gonna instantly be one of the hottest names out there i mean he's already lined up to do uh akira or he's being courted to do akira for warner brothers um he has he has a couple other um smaller movies that he's supposed to do one about michael jackson's monkey um (laughs) one about something i can't remember the other one Uh, he's, he's supposed to do a um what we do in the shadows sequel or what? a spinoff of for the werewolves. <gasps> but again, will, how, when will he have time to do those? Okay. Where will he do yeah. those? I don't want to yeah. see him go from doing what we do in the shadows, help for the wilder people to right. excellent movies to doing Thor three, which I think is going to be excellent. Mm-hmm. And then just do nothing but do Thor four. Yeah. Uh, Avengers five, uh, star Wars seven or star Wars 11. Sure. Um, you know, just, I don't want to see go, directors get stuck in the Hollywood system for extended periods of time. But he would actually be really good with a bounty hunter spinoff. He would. I think he'd be great, but I want to see him do something <laughs> yes. in between there. Are you, are you getting franchise fatigue? Is oh, that maybe a little bit. Um, because when we were workshopping, the, when we did a bit of workshopping on the question, you also mentioned the Russo brothers yeah. in there too. Uh, so you're, Two 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 people whose only films I've seen have been mm-hmm. Winter Soldier. Same, that's and their Civil only. War. It's their only films. Okay, yeah, there we go. So yeah, um, I, especially when I think back on the Winter Soldier and just how they uh, how they laced in so many modern day problems with not only government but also surveillance state. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't help but wonder. Okay, these two are great writers and directors. What else do exactly. they have out there? That's yeah. where my mind has been for the last like week and a half. It's just like, what can these guys do? And they're not, you know, in the Marvel system or mm-hmm. they're not on a big franchise. Like I, it may, I think it is a little bit of franchise fatigue. Cause it just seems like every movie that's coming out is like some sort of franchise or it's, and I think, I mean, maybe that's partially a blame on myself that a lot of movies I seek out to watch yes. are 
you know, either star mm-hmm. people that I am a big fan of right. or directed by people that I'm a big fan of. And a lot of those movies are, you know, them pairing up together are some sort of adaptation and some sort of franchise starter. Yeah. Um, and I, maybe I need to seek out more indie stuff. Maybe that's on me. But at the no, same I, time, I think when you look back at, you know, what we review on the podcast, mm-hmm. the Hollywood schedule, it is, it's a lot of franchises. Yeah. Um, and I want to just see, you know, people kind of break out and, you know, I think the Russos could do, a killer job with something outside the Marvel universe. Not that I, I'm ecstatic that they're the ones doing three and four right. Avengers, but after that, do I want them? I mean, if they're announced to do Avengers five after that, I'll probably be thrilled about it if they mm-hmm. nail Avengers three and four, but at the same time, it's just like, what else you got? Okay. Yeah. So this, I mean, <laughs> uh, this sort of sounds like the, this sort of sounds like my, um, my layout for J.J. Abrams and why I wasn't super stoked. Kind of, yes. And okay. I, 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 I thought Maybe this would get brought up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because this is, I think, well, a point that I made was J.J.'s going to kill it. Mm-hmm. He will. I'm excited to see him finally close something that he's began because mm-hmm. he's never been able to do that for TV or um, any of his other projects. Yeah. But also, the dude is one of the more imaginative people out there, one of the more imaginative mm-hmm. writers and directors on the planet. And him going back to Star Wars just makes me think, oh, now his time is going to be split between over, not overhauling, but putting um, a franchise on his back that's mm-hmm. got, you know, billions of, of dollars of value to it. Whereas he could be getting into the skunk works of his Cloverfield films. Right. Um, he's working on a revitalization with Paramount for. Oh yeah, he's doing a, some anime adaptation. Yes, uh, that was announced this week. But Which he, I think he's just producing. Yes, that one. But you know, him near the helm of it mm-hmm. is just as good as him helming it. Right. I would say. Bad I think robot in general. Yeah, I think the difference there for me comes down to the, what we kind of know Lucasfilm's looking for in a director mm-hmm. and who they're looking at. We knew it was Ryan or JJ basically, and that anybody else was kind of a long shot. Yes, and so I mean if. If we're looking at, you know, if it's JJ or it's, you know, I don't know, Ron Howard, yeah, give me JJ. Okay. Like, I like, I, again, I, I'm not, I don't want this to be like, oh, I don't want them ever to do, you know, big studio movies because I think that can be right. exciting, but I don't want them to just do these movies mm-hmm. and the fact that it it will have been four years since Abrams did. The Force Awakens to when yes. he does this. The fact that he didn't do anything else in between, that's on him. That's that he he just didn't he didn't find a project that uh, that he was attached to that okay. he wanted to direct. Yeah. Um. He produced a bunch of projects. I mean, he gave us Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh yeah. Uh. I mean, like you said, the Cloverfield movies. Him producing is kind of like he's directing those movies. Sure. Certain, I don't want to take anything away from Dan Trachtenberg. No. Um. I never would. But JJ is definitely very much involved with those movies right and i just you know i th- I think he is a great fit for star wars where if, if they would have announced that maybe he was coming out to do star trek 4 or that jj's next film would have been i don't know um, in the transformers franchise the tr- yeah transformers you know the optimus prime origin movie i'd been like Ugh, what right like jj do something else mm-hmm. but i think he Star Wars 9 needed JJ 
uh, Star Wars universe needed JJ. I so think. special exception for Star Wars. Kind of. I don't, I, I'll I, agree to that. And I'll, I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to let you out of your. I'll be you out like of that. that. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, no, no. Good. it's. I think it's. It's a special circumstance where, mm-hmm. you know, I like again. I'm not upset that James Gunn's doing Guardians Three because he has done the first two Guardians movies greatly, and I think anybody else really doing Guardians Three outside of maybe Taika Waititi, he would have. They would have been a weird choice, and that would have been I. I wouldn't have really been interested in the Guardians three at that point. Okay. But again, I just think JJ is a great fit for Star Wars nine, based on everything that's happened with that movie, everything we know of where that movie's going, uh, what JJ did with Star Wars seven, and s- having all of the people has been like, oh, he's just gonna re, he's just a rehash of a new hope and okay. all that frustration. I just want JJ to have that chance to prove that he's more than yes. just a rehash director with mm-hmm. Star Wars. So uh, I think that's where my feeling was at with JJ okay. specifically. For sure. All right. Yeah. I just well, was just curious. I know. I could, know. But that, that that had a tinge of understanding. Of, yes. Of yeah. Positions. I mean. Yeah. And like. I I I I got a little upset in that in that conversation about JJ. No, no, um, uh, we don't need to like get back to that. Yeah, I yeah. understand what you're saying, but I was just wondering if you developed a little more leeway there, and it looks like you have. Right. I mean, I think. I mean, I I understand where people are coming from with the whole JJ thing, and that yes. he's not the. You know, I don't think. Again, I don't think he's the most exciting choice either, but I think he's a really great choice, and a lot of that frustration just came out of people being right. like. Eh. New is always exciting, right? Yeah, and that's sort of what, and that's really at the heart of this discussion here. Yes. Is uh, wanting to see. <laughs> it's sort of maybe it's sort of a, uh, a you know a hammer throw at the the screen of Big Brother here, or at least with big studios. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, when you have talent in your fold, you're going to spend and throw projects, right. and you know, uh, you know, like you know, Denny doing a Cleopatra movie. It's really hard to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know Denny. Yeah. So I'm projecting here, but the the, the projects the dude's picked up uh, over his career have been individually very unique. Arrival and Blade Runner mm-hmm. have been are the closest probably that he's done. Yeah. You know, at least in terms of being sci-fi, but once grounded in the real world, once set in the future, and uh, highly stylized. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the exception there but it's hard to see you know look at look at a piece like cleopatra wonder who's this audience for oh right. maybe it's maybe it's just the audience for denny villeneuve right. and somebody's script you know that was written by the studio director's uncle or mm-hmm. whatever the case and is like or yeah. nephew or like, whatever the case when, is when was the last you know sans uh, sand and sandal epic that did great <laughs> I can't tell you. Uh, what, what was the name of the one um, with Russell Crowe? Uh, Gladiator? No. <laughs> I mean, that probably was the last one. No, it was one. Gerard Butler with the Egyptian gods. Gods of Egypt? Gods of Egypt. Yeah, oh, yeah oh. definitely not that. Um, We're over it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I like what you said. that I don't... Studios can use these guys. They should use these guys. But, business, yeah. Yeah, just to limited margins you know because if you just if you just keep reusing the same 10 directors for every big franchise then we're never going to get that new person and maybe like you know when we talked about Stephen Daldry doing Obi-Wan yeah we were both like uh, okay we don't know him we don't really know you that well that's that's cool I mean we can see how you could work there but I mean who knows we could see Obi-Wan 
in four years and he killed it and now Daltrey's up for another big movie yeah and he kills that one and then he goes and does a couple more indies or smaller movies then jumps back in to the big budget stuff and I think that's just kind of where my mind has been at that I love I love seeing JJ I love seeing Denny Nolan um, the Russos Favreau um, you know Etc. Etc. Do these big budget movies and mm-hmm. blow it and kill it every single time. But you know, I also loved John Favreau's Chef, yeah. really great small movie. Yes. And currently, he's do he did Jungle Book. He's doing Lion King. Then he's doing Jungle Book two, three movies in a row that are super VFX heavy that are gonna take years. And it's like, man, where's that other passion project? Like, you know, I think that's just where it is. That's, I think, where my mind is at with this conversation. That I just want to see them not just get caught up in the Hollywood system. Yeah. And I think that can be said for anybody in any uh, position in Hollywood, you know, whether it's people are fatigued with Jennifer Lawrence or if you get fatigued with The Rock, just do something different, Mm -hmm. get out of the spotlight, kind of. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff can change. Right. And then uh, this is one of like you, the source code familiar with yeah. that the great movie. Yeah. But I don't think we talk enough about Duncan Jones being the director oh, yeah, of that. Definitely not. And Warcraft was hit or miss, but mm-hmm. arguably that was such a such a groundbreaking film um, that I totally give the dude a pass. I mean, he was he was shouldering a behemoth yeah. of uh, a story and all of that. Mm-hmm. But visual effects wise, it's great, phenomenal. Um, and, but then he immediately after that film came out started talking about, oh, what's the next Warcraft movie? And I kind of like smacked my head. And I was like, ah, oh, no, man, do something else. And right. he, he's he got a new movie coming out. Is it out yet? Mute? It's not out yet. I think yeah. it's, it's Netflix, right? I um, I think it's Netflix. I'm not sure who's p- producing it. But, but it's, it's Paul Rudd and um, uh, who else is it? A Skarsgård, I think. Uh, yes, one Skarsgård, of the Skarsgård, Thoreau, Rockwell, and um, Gilbert O'Ewer. Yeah, because it's a it's a sequel to his movie um, Moon. I think is what it's called. Yep. That was that was his first directorial effort, I believe. Yeah, yeah it's actually before right there he did the thing. before he did Source Code. And, but yeah, I think I think that's a guy who people were throwing his name out for like Green Lantern. I'm like, Psh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he'd be great for Green, or he had ideas for Green Lantern and stuff and. But that'd be a cool. That'd be a cool choice. He did the big blockbuster thing with Warcraft. Didn't work. But then, what do you do? He did the small movie. Yeah. He'll probably regain some of his mojo there, and then do a big budget movie. Right. And I think that's that's a great cycle for just anybody in the entertainment industry to do. Right. Yeah, and you know, and the thing is too that even after Warcraft getting lukewarm reviews at best, it yeah, did best. Yeah. Did good. It did okay here smashed overseas yeah. and sequel talk was happening like it was a sure thing mm-hmm. um but you know went back to one of his own ideas and yeah yeah so you know uh i think that's like a really good i don't want to say hope because they can these people can do what they want i mean right. it's their lives obviously but uh in terms of just the theater going experience mm-hmm. and being a fan of you know cinema wherever it can be found yeah uh him him getting back to that and not like not doing what i was worried about like you know getting lost in you know the millions of dollar 10 million dollar 20 million dollar paydays or whatever mm-hmm. else you know those movies can warrant right uh, that was that was super great and i mean see. you could even look at like ryan johnson as like a 
person who's like, yeah. no, I'm not going to get caught up in this system. Cause it, it probably would have been, it had to be tempting to come back for nine because he said he would, he, why would you not want to do another star Wars movie, but mm-hmm. scheduling and the fact that he said, no, I think just shows that there are plenty of opportunities out there for directors to say no. And I don't know if necessarily every time they do when maybe they should, um, do we know that he was asked about it? That's what the report from Deadline was. Oh, wow. That okay. Johnson turned it down, and then they turned to Abrams. Um, cool. And went through it that way. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it could have been really easy for Johnson to you know saddle back up, get right on the pony, start riding nine right now, mm-hmm. and get it ready for release at the end of 2019. But instead, he's like, listen, I just did this for two and a half years. Yeah. I need a break. For sure. And he maybe he still could have got that and still done nine, but not a real break. Yeah. <laughs> he would and, have been like, oh, vacation for a week. But, oh, shoot. But I have to start writing in two weeks. And that's kind of the thing, too, that some of the directors we were talking about here are writers first. Yeah. Directors second. And Ryan, I think, is one of those people. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean... Uh, we talked about his cinematography, you know, two weeks ago, I think, was mm-hmm. it? Um, Brothers Bloom and Brick yeah. and Looper. And, you know, he's just as masterful behind the camera as well. Uh, but when you're doing franchise after franchise, $200 million movie after $200 million movie, you're eventually you're not going to have time fit each individual piece, put each individual piece into place. You're relying on the machine to sort of carry you through mm-hmm. four or five years of uh, massive studio films. And, you know, maybe that's where the burnout starts to happen and they start to, you know, hand off responsibilities. I, mean, I, I really think last The Last Jedi will be phenomenal mm-hmm. because not only is Ryan great at everything he does, but it's because he's been hands-on with it yeah. like J.J. was mm-hmm. with uh, Seven. Yeah. So that's where the the hope is for that. But also, the longer you're in it, the more likely that you are to pass something off. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, by the time you kind of get out of it, uh, it's sort of like, oh boy, okay. Um, like uh, Mark Webb. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'd be another example. I gift, You did Gifted, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really I good had, movie. Really exactly. Good. But after doing a... F- phenomenal job still one of my favorite movies with 500 days of summer yeah uh amazing spider-man great second one not as much yeah not as much and then we kind of had it seemed like he had some time in the wilderness (laughs) so to speak and then gifted came out and with uh chris evans and just totally blew me away because in my head i was like oh mark webb kind of fall off the and then right there original idea yeah so yeah and I think I think that's one of the things like um, somebody like Jordan Peele, like you know after Get Out, you know we heard all the reports of oh they went for Flash, they went for Akira, mm-hmm. the, 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 every studio wants him to do some huge big budget movie, and his, to his credit, he's just like no, yeah, I did I just did a five million dollar movie, I'm not going to jump to do a five hundred million dollar movie, like you know right I I can't make that jump, I won't make that jump, and I'm going to just make a slight jump. That's going to be five times my budget, but it's just going to be $35 million this time around. And then maybe, you know, after that, he does one more movie that's not the big franchise, but then mm-hmm. after that, he does it. Yeah. But then after that big budget franchise, I don't want to see Jordan Peele just do big budget franchises. Right. Because he's already he's proven in one film that he is a super creative guy that has a lot of influence, that can say a lot with a little. Yeah. And I want to see that continue for his entire career. Right. 
and not just, you know, yeah. for the first few years. Right. I mean, if you didn't understand who he was in Key and Peele, which I think is like, which is proof enough. Yeah. But Get Out was just finally the, hey, this guy isn't just comedy. Mm-hmm. He is, he's, he's everything. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's really all I have to say on this topic. Uh, just yeah. kind of a venting session to me. It seems no, like. it uh, was, it, it actually worked out really. I mean, uh, I didn't, I asked you to map this before we got into it, but it, no, it really turned into, we have like novelists almost. We have, we mm-hmm. are huge fans of great writers and directors yeah. and, uh, them getting, we've, we've seen what the machine can do. I think yes. of Josh Trank right off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. Because I'm still, I, I still want him to do something. I mean, I, I mean, he I'm is, he's, he's doing, movie. um, oh, what is it? He's doing, um, some fighting movie Fonzo or no, it's a okay. gangster movie with Tom Hardy. All right. That's his next movie. I think it started filming already this year. Okay. Well, fantastic. But after the fantastic four thing collapsed, didn't even see the film, mm-hmm. um, you know, like after, you know, everything came out and it's just kind of like, all right, well, when is he going to get back out there? You know, sooner or later, sooner or later, sooner or later. Yeah. Finally with Tom Hardy, who I'm so high on right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, we're a little, we're worried for our heroes. Right. Yeah. Well. It's kind of, it's just like, this is probably just precautionary, um, worrying on my part. I mean, I don't think Daddy, when I look back at his career, you know, in 20 years, it's going to be like, wow, you know, after arrival, where'd his career go? All you downhill. Know, it, it went all downhill. All he did was, he, all he did was Blade Runner movies for the next 20 years. <laughs> like, that's not going to be the case. And I know that's not going to be no. the case with like Nolan and stuff, but right. you know, again, I just want to see these guys. I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to dictate what a director's career will go and they won't listen to me anyways because exactly. they're not listening to this podcast, yeah. but just having the freedom to do original movies. I think original movies, um, you know, especially when I look at, you know, the year so far and the movies I've loved the most mm-hmm. there, they've been those original movies, not the big franchises, you know, that have, that have stuck with me time, you know, all throughout the year. So, yeah. um, you know, that's just, that's just where I want to see these, these directors um, and all directors continue to go as we move forward because if we want Hollywood to continue to thrive, the franchises need to be there to, you know, have those billion dollar hits. Yes. But having the really solid indie movies that can do a couple hundred million dollars um, sneakily, those are just as important as well. Yes. Even your favorite artists have to have their pop smash hit exactly. single for them yeah. to keep doing the work you love. That is true. Uh, but yeah. No, I hear you totally. Yeah, so that's all we have for the big question, which brings us to uh, what are we going to review next week? And speaking of one of these directors, yeah, I think we, I think I think we said it like five times in the yeah, in the we've already spoiled in the show bit. here. But Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner twenty forty nine with yeah. Ryan Gosling um, and Harrison Ford in the leads, but then we've also got Robin Wright. We've also got Mackenzie Davis yep. in there. We've got Jared Leto Dave showing Batista, up. Dave Bautista. Um, uh, you other could, people as there's well. like six other names off the top of my head or in my head that can't uh, think of i will be able to say eventually right that make me still so stoked to mm-hmm. see in this film yeah i mean it has a great cast obviously denny is a great director mm-hmm. i'm not upset that he's doing a blade runner movie at all uh, and i think this is going to be one of the better movies of the year uh i sure hope so one it, of the better blockbusters yes we've gotten to take for a look sure at. 
and it seems like by all indications it's going to be a movie that we're going to have a, a lot of spoilery thoughts on so be sure to check it out so you can hear our full thoughts on Blade Runner 2049 next week. And if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, give us a five-star view with comments so that people will help, helps people find the show better. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives people more reasons why they should listen because if yes. they click on our podcast, they can see a ton of reviews saying, these guys are great. Listen to their episodes. And if you have constructive criticisms of the show, if you left us the one-star review that we currently have, uh, <laughs> Leave us your comments so we know why you didn't like the show and we can make it better for you. Um, Please. But also subscribe to the episode on uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Share the episode on Twitter, Facebook, all social media, um, and just get interactive with us. And during time, we'll be sure to tell you about everything we covered by tuning us at Friends of Film. We will see updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can find Percy on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at Just Joshua Ryan. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. Be sure to return next week for our review of Blade Runner 2049.